Hi, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and welcome to Games on Film. So here we are with um, the film which gets its name from the famous Tom Cruise movie. Was it A Few Good Men? No? The Firm. The Firm? No, it's uh, The Need for Speed. Muscle cars. Are they called muscle cars or exotic cars? Because I was looking at... um, Guess what? Fun fact, I'm not really a car person. No, neither of us are (laughs) petrol heads. No. But I think uh, I was trying to work out exactly what it was and I settled on performance cars. I see. Uh, in the trivia section of Internet Movie Database, I think they're called ex- exotic cars. Exotic cars. Uh, cars. Um, so I'm, I'm going to do my best. We're going to muscle through the car terminology of this film. Pun but... intended. <laughs> what what pun? I missed that pun there. Muscle through. Oh, good grief. God, I'm slow on the uptake today. Well, I took a very long bus journey to get here, so I'm ready and raring to go. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, my, my missus, she's a bit of a car head. She's not here at the moment. Um, but she was. So she can't make any faces at us when no, we get stuff but wrong. I was watching this film and she How was. How many horses' power is this car? <laughs> but she was tutting the whole way through the film and I looked it up she, and you know, she's absolutely right. Not that I'd not believe my wife on her Carter knowledge, but for a film so obsessed with performance slash exotic slash muscly cars, there's a lot of errors in this film. As a complete car. I wouldn't say novice, I've got a driving license. Mm. But there's someone who doesn't give uh, two hoots of a honking horn mm-hmm. um, about what actually goes on under the bonnet mm-hmm. of a car. Most of that was oblivious to me. It was more, I guess... The car goes fast now. Yeah, yeah. From <laughs> A to B, mm. as fast as XYZ. Right, so uh, now we've established we know next to nothing about cars. Um, how much do we know about the video game franchise Need for Speed? Um, <laughs> not a great deal. So mm. in we, we've done some research. I checked with some buddies just generally what kind of, what are the Need for Speed games that I should play. And Need for Speed Underground 2 mm-hmm. was the title which was, which was recommended. Um, How many games are there? There's something like 20... Yeah, there's over 20 games. The mm. series has been around since 1994 mm-hmm. and was first released on the 3DO. Mm. And it was released as The Need for Speed. Mm. So at some... Uh, well, I think in the second game, they decided to drop the definite article. Mm. But it reminded me a little bit of how the Fast and the Furious mm. franchise has played around with its names. It mm. was the Fast and the Furious. And then I think the fourth one was just called Fast and Furious. Mm. And then the fifth one was called... Furious Five, although just in the US, I think not in this country. So is that the one that Enid Blyton wrote? Yes, Furious Five. Furious Five uh, go to the, <laughs> the Black Island, or the something. Black Island, the Treasure Island, or mm. something. So yes, there's been a whole bunch of games, and just looking at the overview, it seems there's some connective tissue between the different instalments, but there's usually a different focus. Mm. So some will be just straight kind of 
car racing around a track. Mm. Um, I think later on in the series, it develops more into uh, street racing, illegal street racing. There's a lot of uh, police pursuits. That's mm. a key part of the of the series. Quite a lot of the games. Yes, I mean, I think the cops feature even in the first game where uh, they stop you and uh, you get a ticket. But yes, lots of different versions. And uh, there's one. What's the, the last one? I think was in 2017. Yes, Need for Speed Payback. Mm. After watching the movie, was I did uh, pick up a copy of Need for Speed Undercover. Okay. So I've played about an hour of that just to get into it. Was uh, that was that created before or after the film? This was before the film. So Need for Speed Undercover was in 2008. Before watching the film and before we decided to do this film, I didn't really know there were plots to okay. the games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought they were just racing simulators or maybe there was some sort of through line. I know a lot of the other games have done an open world thing. So I thought it was like you drive around and you do street chases mm. and street races and police chases and all those <laughs> kind of things. But with Need for Speed Undercover, I chose to play this game because I saw that it had FMV cutscenes. And in mm-hmm. fact, FMV cutscenes go back to the very first game. Okay. You're playing around, you're driving around, but then there's these cutscenes where some guy is giving you smack talk nice. about your driving or you know just ripping into you but um the, so i played need for speed undercover mm-hmm. and the plot of this one is you're an undercover cop okay and you have to infiltrate a street gang um who's doing street racing but they're also car smuggling and drug smuggling yeah. and you're enlisted by maggie q she's been in stuff like mission impossible 3 mm. uh, live free and die hard divergent series. I mean, it things. doesn't go darker than car smuggling and drug smuggling, does it? It doesn't sort of go to terrorism to get in deep with a terrorist cell oh, right. who, has, who also has muscle cars. Well, we always enjoyed the Die Hard with a Vengeance mm. driving game and the Die Hard trilogy game. And you had to defuse bombs by driving into them really fast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so with Need for Speed Undercover, she's it's live action stuff and mm-hmm. she's given you missions and she contacts you on your t-mobile phone um but <laughs> 2008 it's... product placements yep yep but was it's it's just the scenes are really badly shot they're the kind of things where they mix shaky cam with still cam footage mm. and it cuts every three seconds and it'll just cut to a close-up of her mouth talking and then oh, back cool. into the room and then the side of her face and then some guy in the shadows and it'll just do this very quickly within the space of a minute and she just does this huge exposition dump right at the start and it's Mm. just you get kind of whiplash just by um watching the cutscenes. that's just what it's like when you live your life at 200 miles an hour Mm. we'll talk a little bit about the movie very shortly but i think five minutes on the movie yeah (laughs) but i think that the the film itself is not adapted from any one particular game Mm. but it does combine quite a lot of elements from the series Mm. and i think based on just my observations of the need for speed franchise it seems like it is a little bit of a mix of um most wanted quite a bit like the run which was i think released sort of just before the movie came out where you have just gotten out of prison and you're enlisted to do a kind of cross-country race in order to 
get some winnings, but then you're pursued by the cops because you're crossing state lines and there's actually quick time sequences where you're like on foot being sort of avoiding police helicopters oh, shooting at you and, see, and this, stuff. This film missed a trick. It could have been the first ever movie with quick time sequences. I thought you were going to say it could have been about um, Aaron Paul doing a cross-country race, but on foot. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Aaron Paul in general, let's say, first? Uh, and then maybe we'll delve into his character. Well, I... I think it's a big burning question. Have you seen Breaking Bad? Yes. I've watched all of the Breaking Bads. Mm-hmm. And I liked his performance in those very much. I think he is a pretty good actor. Mm-hmm. in um, the things I've seen him in. He was in quite a good sort of indie drama with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead mm-hmm. called Smashed. Okay. And it's about a young couple, but they're very alcohol-dependent to the point of them just having to really reevaluate their lives. I hadn't seen any Breaking Bad until this morning where I decided to watch 10 minutes of episode two. <laughs> Great. Yeah, because you can't start... If you want to get a good sense of a show, watch episode two, don't watch the I pilot. guess he doesn't show up until maybe That's the thing. 20 minutes I didn't minutes want to see the first episode. 45 minutes of boring Brian Cranston. Here's the thing. So I've now seen 10 minutes of Breaking Bad, and do you want to hear a hot take? The hottest of all the takes. takes. The hot take of Breaking Bad is... It's quite good. <laughs> In the 10 minutes or so, it seemed quite good. But I was watching it because Aaron Paul, I just thought, was not doing anything for me in Need for Speed. But I have seen... He was great in this little sequence of Breaking Bad. And I've seen him... He's also in the film Central Intelligence with The Rock. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, The Rock. Um, he's in there briefly. And he's really hilarious in that. And despite Breaking Bad being from what I gather, kind of a dark show. <laughs> he was really funny in this sequence I saw, and I think he's got great comedy chops. So I find his character in this kind of perplexing. <laughs> I think he's very much sat... I mean, they comment on it a lot in the film that he's the strong and silent type. He looks like... He's like a 14-year-old who's watched he, Drive. Yeah, I, I don't think he necessarily... I think he gives a fine performance, but I think it's sort of the wrong performance for the film. Man. Or it's just, it it just doesn't quite come off. It doesn't work. There's a lot of internalised stuff going on, which is fine, but I think with this sort of movie, when he's sort of lashing out and stuff, it's just a bit more interesting. This film is perhaps most famous for the meme um, it generated where a tearful, red-faced Aaron Paul is screaming into the fire, which has been used for untold um, subjects. And the problem the filmmakers had is that this is kind of a uh, maybe a bit of a silly... Is it a silly concept? I don't know. But it's a concept of fun and it's a concept of of school cars doing flips and sh- and stuff... But it wants to have its drama. And so you can't really have Aaron Paul being too light and frothy. But um... let's get stuck into the film then. Mm. Or at least in in terms of the where we are on the cinematic landscape <laughs> when the Need for Speed movie is released. When did it come out? 2014. 2014. Okay. So I would imagine in response to the popularity of 
the Fast and Furious fan- franchise. Yes. More than the game. Yes, I think the game was definitely popular. I don't think it was necessarily released at the peak of the game series popularity. Fast and Furious franchise was definitely doing great business. Mm. And I mean, it's one of the most popular franchises it's ever. Ri- it's ridiculous. We saw the first first fast <laughs> the first Fast Furious game. We saw Red Lorry, Yellow Lorry. <laughs> we saw the first Fast and the Furious movie mm-hmm. at the cinema, mm-hmm. didn't we? And it's just bizarre to think this small, scrappy, no real stars at the time mm-hmm. movie, which was effectively a kind of riff on Point Break, mm-hmm. would end up being this multi-installment, billion-dollar mega franchise Mm. i think the need for speed movie was an attempt in a way to take things back to original fast and the furious feel because the fast and furious movies they've become action movies super action movies they're basically mission impossible Mm. well it's funny because you are right because after watching need for speed i looked up a few Fast and Furious films, there's a whole bunch of them on Netflix, and I was wanted to compare driving sequences. And I had to scroll through a lot of Fast and Furious before I could get to any driving, because the action does come frequently, but sometimes it's a fist fight, sometimes it's a gunfight. And so I've, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much of my opinion of this film, but I think you're absolutely right. This is a film which is all about the cars, and there's not a problem which can really be solved outside of a car. There's a bit later in the film where Aaron Paul, his character Toby, meets his nemesis in a hotel. And rather than... I mean, I was really hoping for a sequence where they'd chase each other naked through the hotel like in Borat, <laughs> like screaming gibberish at each other. But no, they've he's met his nemesis for the first time in a few years, and they, they want to just sell it on the road. They're gonna, and yeah, whereas in the Fast and the Furious, they would each grab a metal pipe mm. and bend it using their muscles yes. and then try and strangle the other person. Their arms would increase to like four times their size. It would be like the sequence in Crank 2 when they sort of just... <laughs> turn into Godzilla. Turn, and have a kaiju <laughs> battle. When you look at sort of talk from the cast and crew of this movie... They're very much emphasising we're trying to do everything for real. And I think that's a slight sort of uh, snipe at Fast and Furious movies Mm. because while there's a lot of real practical stunts in those, there's a lot of CG stuff. I mean, you can't really uh, do practically a lot of cars racing across the Arctic while a nuclear Mm. submarine bursts through the ice. I mean, part of it is... I guess it's unfortunate for the Fast and Furious franchise because when it started, it was during that period where... CGI was exerting itself and everyone wanted to show off a CGI. I think Fast and Furious was perhaps less guilty of CGI car stunts than there's that film Gone in 60 Seconds and wasn't yeah. there. I remember Hollywood Stunt Awards where we did Best Stunt and it was really just a computer-generated car going over a lorry or something. <laughs> and I was like, that's not right. Because uh, I went to see the Fast and Furious live stunt show. Oh, yeah. At the O2, the mm. world on pre- ice. No, no, but they did. They did replicate the submarine sequence. Oh, nice! There's a, currently like a, a live walking with dinosaurs show as well. Yeah. Are there any dinosaurs? Well, I was disappointed that <laughs> they didn't double book. 
And then, <laughs> and then there would have been a scene where there's all these street cars trying to evade T-Rexes. Yeah, like the Jeep scene in Jurassic Park. Yeah, they, they missed didn't... a trick. Yeah. But I went to the world premiere at the O2 and yep. Vin Diesel made an appearance, mm-hmm. um, looking very small, but it was a big arena. <laughs> and what was fascinating about the stunt show was it was really lame. <laughs> but they, you, your typical stunt show at like a theme park, like mm. Universal Studios or Disneyland or that kind of thing, was about 10 times better than what I saw because they were... It's called Fast and Furious, but they were just in a very small mm. arena, and all they could do is just go around in circles. Mm. And mean, they would all try and augment it with all these. They had like a plot, they had audience interactivity, they had all these little bells and whistles, but it just came off really. I mean, I didn't pay for my ticket, so I, I was I enjoyed it for just how silly and but you wanted your money was. back. <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed it, but if I'd paid top dollar for it, I would have been a little bit disappointed. Uh. But sorry, anyway, we're, to digress. We're, we're talking about Need for Speed. And once again, The Rock has uh, <laughs> infiltrated and derailed our podcast. Mm. But I think it's I think it's useful to talk about the sort of the context of Where it big was. car action movie style stuff and what Need for Speed in its movie mm. version is trying to, um, I guess, sort trying of trying to do, trying to do. Mm. And let's let's see whether it does it. <laughs> took everything from me. I do not fear, for you are with me. All those who defied me shall be ashamed and disgraced. Those who wage war against me shall perish. I will find strength, find guidance, and I will triumph. So we get the EA logo at the start of the film. So it did, you know, it did the old Marvel thing where it displays various items like footballs and other things you do in a video game. Because EA is not really known for like distinct characters, I no, suppose. True. It doesn't have its own mascot apart from just I don't know. American football man. <laughs> yeah, God, they should have had, um, is it David Hayter who goes, it's in the game, <laughs> at the start of the film. That would have made me smile. everything. <laughs> so we have a lovely golden, black and gold, uh, hued logos, and then we cut to the golden sunlight over, where is this film set? I, wasn't, I know it was filmed in Georgia, it says at the end, but it's set in generic American countryside. Well... I was, are we talking about Michael Keaton or are we talking about Aaron Paul? Aaron Paul's shack. But do we start with Michael Keaton first? Well, Michael Keaton's narrating. He yes. does this whole spiel at oh, the yes. start. 
and he's giving a kind of backstory about our principal characters. He plays a, a, a monarch. Monarch who oversees a a, a sort of he's, underground race. He's kind of god. <laughs> He pretty much is. Or do you think he is portraying his character from Herbie Fully Loaded? <laughs> I forgot he was in that. Michael Keaton, Keaton. Michael Keaton was clearly there for one afternoon. I mean, I'm always happy to have Michael Keaton in the film. It makes he make an unexpected Keaton is worth twenty percent of the yes. film's score. We're not too sure exactly what he's doing at that point because he's narrating. But then, is it a vlog? Is it? Then it, but it turns out it's more like a... I thought it was like a radio show. Mm. And I was like, who tunes into a radio show about this one car race? Yeah. But then it seemed, actually, no, he's like a Twitch streamer. But also, I know you can't really judge um, people's age when it comes to technology. The, the phrase silver surfer now refers to elderly people who have got all the time in the world to learn how to use their iPads. But I don't really get the impression that m- Mr. Keaton just has the knowledge to like, like do the dark web because no one's if the police obviously can't get hold of him otherwise they would stop these illegal races and spoilers because we're going to be spoiling mm. the need for speed movie during mm-hmm. the duration of this podcast but but he's doing he's organizing this race called the daily own and the idea is that the winner of this race wins all the other cars mm. that people are competing in, so it's lots of performance cars that yeah, it's the big race want. at the end. So it's the big race at the Which end of the movie. Is based on a race in Need for Speed Two. Apparently, it's a direct, okay. it's a direct lift, um, which ends up in the lighthouse. But is Monarch mm-hmm. in the lighthouse? That'd be interesting. Actually, because well, no, there's no, there's no lights or anything. Yeah, but mm. but the thing is, is that. He's in a circular room, which mm. which even before we established there was a lighthouse later, it looked lighthouse-esque, mm. like a disused lighthouse. Mm. And the race culminates with a lighthouse and Aaron Paul's looking up at the lighthouse. But it's not like Michael Keaton then waves outside of the window, no. unless I missed something. But I was just kind of confused because there's this very long look. And I think we're meant to assume that Monarch is in that lighthouse. But then he organised this race, which the goal is it's... where he lives or where mm. he's based. And he basically brings the cops to him. I know. The I was... cops go to this place, the end, and they arrest Aaron Paul. You'd think their first thing to do would be, oh, why are they ending this race here? Oh, maybe we should scope this area. And maybe there's someone organising an illegal street race because there's cute little mini lighthouse mm, beacons well, to cho- show the end of the race. I choose to believe that Monarch's not in that night lighthouse. And I, I was just... It does seem like a really bizarre thing to have an illegal street race which would definitely um, attract cops to end at a dead end. I mean, it seems like really stupid. But going back to the question of whether or not Monarch is God... <laughs> wouldn't, it, wouldn't it have been amazing if Aaron Paul was arrested and Monarch turns in his chair and there's Petey, who had died at the start of the film, and it turns out he's, yes, he's caught, he is from heaven. The uh, Apparently, God's mostly interested in what Aaron Paul and his uh, garage is doing. And I think the the one thing which puts that theory to rest is the fact when it does come to the final road race, he seems to not know what's going on. Everyone's tuning into him, mm. and I guess he's got some sort of trackers, but I don't think he implanted GPS 
devices mm. physically in all these cars because they would have just driven up and he was he's not actually there. And actually people are watching him video commentary and it's not like you yeah, can do but, that with God. But he keeps on saying, my sources tell me that mm. someone has just spun off the track and it's just like, okay, what is he? Does he, is he, um, what's his face? Varys from Game of Thrones. It's like, <laughs> my little birds. <laughs> my little birds have told me. <laughs> my little birds have told me well, that the Lamborghini is out of the race. You know what? I think the filmmakers didn't give one shit <laughs> and they just decided, well, we've got Michael Keaton for an afternoon. I suppose he is the biggest name if you haven't watched Breaking Bad. So I think that's enough monarch talk for now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, just wanted, because he's the first he voice. The he sets the scene and he basically gives the backstory talking about how Toby Marshall, uh, Aaron Paul, could, mm. have been a, could have been a star racer, could have been a contender. And there's all this stuff about his dad was like a, a pro racer, and mm. but his dad is recently passed away or did he own the garage which uh aaron paul now uh, runs a lot of people say sorry about your dad and yeah. you, you know, that's a, a normal human thing to say to somebody whose dad has died the bank people are after uh, aaron paul as well yeah because they want to shutter his garage mm. because it's not doing great business mm. but his rival in this uh dom no is it dom dino dino brewster dino brewster dressed like albert wesker in his leather jacket <laughs> and, and roll neck played by dominic cooper dominic cooper do you think he was cast just because his name is a car <laughs> i did note I, I read this in the old trivia section apparently like everyone is a pretty much the same height in this film because oh. they're all in like small you know these these exotic cars have quite small cockpits so you, you can't be too tall. Um, oh, okay, like, like, like jockeys riding horses. Exactly right. In um in this film Spectre, um, which features uh, exotic car racing through the streets of Rome, um, Dave Bautista really struggled to get into his... <laughs> the giant, muscly J- Dave Bautista struggled to get into his Jaguar he was driving around. I'd like it if there was just three solid minutes of the movie of his character <laughs> trying to get into uh, his car. And not trying to get his shoes on the leather seats and all that stuff. Yeah. And this um, was the biggest car that I could afford. <laughs> um, I want to give the start of the film props, though, because this narration and the cinematography gives this real romantic kind of vibe. It does feel kind of nostalgic and kind of lovely with all the little action figures they've got. There's this, the... The garage has got like Super Mario yeah. and, and Tetsu, uh, no Canada from Akira um, action figures and stuff. It preceded Ready Player One. Yeah, as, a, as a nod to geeks watching it. <laughs> yeah, there is a bit later on where they are all playing a video game mm. together. I assume a Need for Speed movie. It would be strange if they were, I don't know, playing yeah. a rival franchise. Yeah, instead. Burnout or something. Criterion Games, who developed Burnout originally, they mm. moved on to work on need for speed games mm-hmm. as well so but yes i imagine it was a need for speed game i just couldn't work out which do, one do you think they could ever make a super mario kart movie maybe well, if this mario movie coming out um does good business they'll start doing like, well it's all I, about the family uh, luigi <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i guess you could do like a speed racer style Mario Kart movie. Imogen Poots, who's in this film, would make a great Princess Peach. Yeah, yeah, why not? (laughs) I hope to see her in the upcoming Mario movie. Well, because we talked about Wreck-It Ralph and Sugar Rush, Mm. and just looking at, is this the only video game movie based on a racing game? Mm. Um, To my knowledge, yeah, I can't think of another one. 
I guess, I mean, this is the crux of the film, is how do you adapt Need for Speed, the games, as we've established. They do have plots, they do have characters, they do have um, a narrative running through some of the games. So if any racing game were to be adapted, I guess it made sense that Need mm. for Speed was the one that was it. But I don't know. I don't, it's it's interesting how you uh, would go about adapting I think this some com- other things. I mean, there's comparatively few racing franchises um, which aren't simulations, because I think the biggest racing franchise after... Oh, I think bigger than even um, Need for Speed might be, is it Gran Turismo? Yeah. And that's I, really I just so. trying to make that as much as like driving a car as possible. Watching the videos of the video games, my pulse was racing because it's about avoiding the cops and things. So mm. I think it's a good fit. And uh, we'll get back to you in a moment, Dominic Cooper. We haven't forgotten about you. <laughs> um, but, I mean, if we're talking about the adaptation side of things, um, I think Frizz Film frequently mirrors what it's like to play the game, not just because you're driving a fast car, but there's a lot of interior first person shots with yeah. your arm with the arms out now you know that was a selling point of the film dune but now this is just peppered throughout the uh of this film and i think it's really effective of getting you in there and i was getting the same vibe from the film as i was from the game so i will get major props for that it's something i hadn't seen mm. before i think because i guess while there's been a lot of car uh racing games and a lot of um but not many adaptations in that sense there's a lot of driving movies Mm. a lot of movies focused on driving but i hadn't really seen at least to my knowledge Mm. a sort of pov i think the nearest thing like in the jason bourne movies where there's a lot of times when matt damon is driving a car and a car smashes into matt damon and well, that's always the camera pointing at the person driving. Yeah. And like a tiny GoPro or whatever. And this is the first time. And I, I honestly don't know how they did it. But like I said, it really gets you into the driving seat, for want of a better word. I guess they probably used um, peep show technology. <laughs> uh, with... Every film could use a good peep show inward in a monologue. I mean, maybe peep show was the first time that's done a POV driving thing. Isn't there a scene when... Mm. Um, Mark is driving Johnson's BMW or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, I think that's in the car. Very slow moving car in a car park, though, yeah. isn't it? But that was the, you know, I guess that was the precursor. But actually, that's the question. When you're playing mm-hmm. a racing game, do you first person POV in your in-car view? I tend to go right down to the asphalt. So, like, um, no car bonnets, just right down at the front of the road. Mm. Um, I find that a lot easier. I know mm. there's, I know the idea is that if you look at the reverse, if you look outside the vehicle, mm-hmm. then you can see more about other Your cars spatial awareness and, 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 stuff. and stuff. But yeah, right down mm. uh, first-person perspective. But if it's, for me personally, if it doesn't have a honky horn, if there's not one button on your controller devoted to a beeping sound, I, I don't think it's really a racing game. I don't... I, I was looking for the horn on Need for Speed Underground, and I'm not sure I found it. Is it... Did you want to phone up the 2008 customer services? <laughs> it's like you can do all this speeding and crashing into cars and knocking over mm. giant pipes and building sites and causing all kinds of chaos, but you're not allowed to honk. <laughs> no. If you've got an N64, you want to play a great uh, racing game made by EA, check out Beetle Adventure Racing. It's 100% Volkswagen Beetles. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dom, Dino, 
I got very confused because I keep wanting to call him Dom. But Dino arrives on the scene in tow an old flame of Aaron Pauls um, and Anita. Anita. And he's Played got... by Dakota Johnson of Fifty Shades. I, I couldn't work fame. out if it was her, but I think she's got bigger hair in Fifty Shades. Well, it's. I guess this was pre Fifty Shades or something. Yeah. She's got quite a small part in this. Slightly significant, but but you know she's uh, yeah quite a small role. Although she is also the sister of PT. PC. Yeah, okay. So, uh, Toby Marshall of Toby's Marshall Marta Motors, he's got a whole crew. So, he's got a, a, a kind of gang who follows him around the whole movie, and mm. they're a bunch of um, redneck mechanics, mm. but they're a diverse bunch. Diverse bunch. Entirely secondary to um, Paul Aaron's... Aaron Paul's... <laughs> Aaron Paul's... Great want, Daniel. Yeah, wants and desires. Yeah, they basically do what he says. I mean, he is the boss, I suppose. Yeah. But he gives us this after, um, so just briefly, um, Dino offers them to do up a, a fancy pants car and um, his crew are like, oh, we don't need him. And then Toby is like, oh, well, actually, things aren't going so well at Marshall, at the Marshall garage. And he gives them, it's kind of like he's their dad and he's like, oh, you know. He also does this, Aaron Paul does this little eyebrow thing, which is just like Michael Keaton. I think they could be like, it could have been that Michael Keaton was his dad. Maybe Monarch is his dad. Maybe Monarch is a time traveller <laughs> and he's watching from space. He's, he's watching from the distant future. In his little capsule. And the fact, the problem is, if you never, if Monarch never leaves this room, we can fit any narrative <laughs> into his uh, Michael Keaton's. He's just the watcher. And today he's watching mm. um, some dude bros driving cars. But next week it'll be just an entirely other uh, film plots. Perhaps he's watching uh, the Fast and the Furious peeps in another universe. Maybe he's the Watcher. Wasn't mm. Stanley in Marvel? Yes, that's what I'm thinking Fast of. In Guardians of the Galaxy, meant to be like the Watcher or something. He is so the that's watcher. why he appears in all the movies. So well, yeah, Dino, but... Dino gives the the crew this proposition after a nighttime street race. There's an establishing street race which kind of demonstrates how you know, what positions and what jobs they all do. So um, one of his crew, Benny, uh, likes to be called Maverick, which I guess is a Top Gun oh, yeah. Need fl- for Speed reference. He's flying a plane. So he, he flies a plane. And then Mr. Robot is like Rami Malek is... Mm. What's his deal? Well, he's kind of the computer guy in a lot of ways, is he I not? I guess so. So, I mean, I've, again, I've not seen Mr. Robot. In fact, this film is completely populated by stars of tv shows i've not actually watched um but every time he got near a computer it's like oh are you sure then i realized this was a film about illegal street racing so <laughs> i guess it's it it starts off with them at like a kind of drive-in cinema which is plain bullet oh you really want to do that <laughs> um but i what you were saying about the sort of nostalgic feel it's definitely embedded in this americana mm. feeling and the fact that it, it it does this sort of cross-country drive through all this kind of landscapes of America. Mm. I mean, it looks gorgeous. It's in it's a really city. They go to Detroit. They go mm. to, I don't know, Death Valley or mm. whatever. Go to California. Yeah, it definitely tries to capture that mm. that feel. And the fact that P.T., I guess, is dressed a little bit like James Dean. Oh, um, yeah. Kind I mean, of old-style Americana. And they emphasise this blue-collar, redneck mm. attitude. But I don't know Mount Kisco, New York. The problem this film has 
And I actually will say, oh, I actually ended up quite enjoying a lot of this film, but I feel that whenever Toby's on the screen, it just sucks out all charisma and, and everything. I mean, this film reminds me a lot of, of the 2014 Godzilla because they both star uh, actors from Breaking Bad. There is a tragic death right near the start of the film, but and the actual action sequences themselves are pretty top-notch. Um, but they both have a main character who is just so goddamn dull. Um, Portrayed by actors called Aaron. Indeed, yes. So it's all it's all there. And Aaron Taylor Johnson is married to the director of Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh my gosh, this is this is Monarch's plan, I think. <laughs> Wait, Monarch is from Godzilla. from Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. In a shared universe. Um, yeah, in the next Godzilla film, we track down ginormous monsters, and we also do street racing. Um, Ooh, kaiju cart. Kaiju cart. I feel like Toby's just a bit of a prick at the at the start. He does get a little bit better towards the end but he spends the start of his drive this this driving this race meet um like revving his cars at the ladies and just being a bit and they standoffish also, they also crash into a homeless person's shopping oh, cart and, laugh. and then they just spend the whole time laughing at the fact that they just destroyed this homeless yeah. person's livelihood i mean i've got a note here i literally said this is where, this is the point where safety harry appeared he's like a, a regular occurring character on this podcast i'm very safety conscious and this film does seem to try to sidestep the idea that these are very dangerous people. I mean, at the end of the film, did you see there's a, um, in the credits, there's a paragraph about how not to engage in illegal street racing. They do that at the start of the video games as well. Mm. So. But they, they made sure we put it just far enough into the credits that most people will have disappeared they, to get into Fiat Unos and start doing sort of donuts <laughs> In the cinema car park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the point of that initial race other than to show that he's good at going fast? Well, I think it's just to establish the unit, the team, the mm. characters. Oh yes, because Maverick watches from above um, to see if there's any incoming traffic. He can't see homeless people, obviously. Um, and then the rest of his crew is sort of there for support. I think we sort of jumped ahead a bit, but this this impresses Dino enough to say, "Hey, you guys are good with cars. Why don't you make this car?" And you think this is going to be a big deal, but actually, in the very next scene, they have completed the car. They so what's special about this car is I think it was created by a very famous designer. Well, it was yeah, it's this Ford Mustang, and it was meant to be designed by. Uh, Ford and Carol Shelby, mm. who I looked up and he was this car designer. Uh, they're just dude. dropping names. Yeah, so I mean, it's I, like I, it's this legendary vehicle which has come into Dino's possession because Dino is like this, I guess, race car driver. I think, he's like, I think he owns a dealership and obviously he likes to race cars too. I thought we were going to have a sequence in the garage, a bit like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, where they sort of, <laughs> when they're making this magical car. Wouldn't it be amazing if, like, at the end of the movie, Aaron Paul pulls up to the Daily and he's like, wait, is that, is that Genie? <laughs> is that Genie 1 or whatever? And it's got bubbles coming out of the tailpipe <laughs> and little helicopter wings. And then at the end, it sort of, like, drives past the lighthouse and then flies off into the sunset. But, like, it, it, halfway through the film, is literally picked up by a helicopter, so yeah. they missed a trick again. It could have been, like, halfway through the film, having not established this in the slightest, he drives off a cliff, 
Imogen Poots scre screaming all the way down and then he presses a, a button which looks like a candy cane and out pops some wings and um, yeah that'd be just about as realistic as half this <laughs> film so um, so we, they were at this show and they were and everyone's very impressed with the car mainly because there's some holographic horses yeah that's, that's pretty sci-fi it's, it's <laughs> odd when a film ostensibly set in the real world has like massive CGI holograms and stuff which you wouldn't get because there's a bit when there's the POV and when he's testing the car mm. is it is it the Ford Mustang and there's this kind of illuminated a heads up display yeah which is very video gamey uh, I as well think, I think those things do exist yeah but it definitely does strike you as like ooh ooh um I did notice that the uh the speedometer on the heads up display never really matched the speedometer on the actual car oh really <laughs> so, so it was like the little um you know the, the dial the dials yeah but hey ho so and um, we introduced to Imogen Poots for the first time He's an actress I quite like. I first saw her in 28 Weeks Later, which I think mm -hmm. is an underrated uh, horror sequel. <laughs> she was in Green Room. Oh, yes. And, no, that's a great uh, film. Fright Night. Oh, yep. So, yeah, you're and... reminding me now. So, she's been peppered in a few things. She's always great. She, she representing Britain. Has she ever done an American accent? Yeah, I think okay. so. Okay. But she's so. got a very Britishy ears, British accent. Julia. Julia. And... She meets uh, Toby and P.T. When do you think she starts fucking with them? Because her first thing she says was, is it fast? And at the, in the scene, I think, is very much trying to tell us that these boys don't think she knows anything about cars. And so she shows them up. Uh, but I thought, I think she was doing that from the get-go. And I think she was, yeah, but I think she was... That's like her tactic. She's mm. like some sort of true. She's she's a buyer. She she works on behalf of this um, mm. guy called Ingram, which we don't really get the lowdown of. But we'll I guess he is, he's basically just rich British dude, mm. and she works on behalf of him. And she knows Dino, and it's clearly like her thing is like she goes around and sort okay. of buys and sells cars and i think she just kind of because everyone else is dressed in fancy schmancy gear and then there's these guys with like t-shirts and denim jackets mm. and i think she's like trying to play them on a little bit so no, it's not really it's, it's like, not really their fault that i don't think she's like oh you guys are idiots because you're treating me wrong i think she's deliberately trying to make them do that it's absolutely right it's like when you play a poker game and you always need to tell people that you're a beginner <laughs> the fact that pt then says i really love Piers morgan that that's hilarious just to pick that apart a bit this is a film written by americans at the time in 2014 do is uh, american do americans love generally love Piers morgan well, does, I, does everyone I want think to get they know. Him? I think they know him because he was was the replacement for Larry King, was it? Oh, right. Okay. And I think that's why they know him. So I, I think the fact that they say he says I really love Piers Morgan, I think it's more like him trying to say I'm going to name a British person mm. that maybe you'll Beckham know, and because they might sort of think, yeah, because he was kind of known at the time in America before he returned. Back to yeah, but Britain, it made, unfortunately, it, to it made me laugh contaminate anyway. our morning uh, TV. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't quite sure if uh, if why I was laughing, but it made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, it was not a line I expected. Mm, in no. Need for Speed was I really love Piers Morgan. Mm. 
I don't think anyone expects that line from any human being. No. <laughs> Not even Pierce Morgan. Mm. Oh, I think I think probably yeah, he stares he stares at his uh, you... small mirror in the bathroom every morning and goes, I love Piers Morgan. Yeah, I, actually that's true. He probably does refer to himself in the third person mm. regularly. Piers Morgan wants an egg. <laughs> Piers Morgan hates women. <laughs> Wait, I'm just doing a voice. I'm not, yes. These, these are a... not alleged statements. This is me doing a character. The character oh, of Piers Morgan. Character Piers Morgan, exactly. I, I really love Piers Morgan. So this is how it goes, is that you're very quiet and very tough, and then you're just constantly cracking these hilarious jokes. Julia, uh, Imogen Poots, she basically is asking how fast the car goes. Mm-hmm. And says that if it hits 2.30, which is what Toby suggests it can do, then they've got a deal. Mm-hmm. So does she have a need for speed? Or is it more of a want for speed? It's a deal <laughs> for speed. Mm. Well, is, no. she the one, is, does, is she the one who has the need for speed? Because it's part of a deal. If the car mm. doesn't go the speed that she needs it to go, then there's no deal. She needs that speed and she gets it. Yes, they go to Hooray. a test track and Toby proves. Driving at a corner at 150 miles per hour, <laughs> I was like, shit! <laughs> that was one of those other first-person views. So that was exciting. Again, the, I find the driving stuff in this tip-top. Well, the film was directed... The director, Scott War yeah. is his name, and he comes from a stunt background. Oh, right. So that suggests that he has an eye for mm. for those sort of things. So I think the, the driving sequences, they're not the flashiest, craziest kind of things, stunts-wise, but no. I think they do definitely sell the speed and the danger. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm aware that this film wasn't a smash hit was it i mean how did it do it did it did well enough i think i mean i think it's made about i think the budget was about 60 million Mm -hmm. and it made around 200 Mm. worldwide so it did a fair yeah fair enough chunk i mean the i mean the acting is not great across the board (laughs) um the dialogue is is worse so I don't really hold it. There's some okay stuff. Well, the script was written, co-written by John Gattins, who's also uh, an actor, but he was Academy Award nominated for his script for Flight, the Robert Zemeckis movie, with Denzel Washington as the pilot. He also wrote Real Steel. I do like that film. Power Rangers. It's actually really good, Power Rangers. And bring it back to the Godzilla universe, Mm -hmm. Kong Skull Island. Wow. Okay, there's some good lines in that, I think. But um, I yeah, think there's some good lines in not, this. I think it's a bit down to performance. I, I think. I think what I'm getting yeah. at is that I'm I'm dimly aware that this film has not got very good critical notes, and um, I can't really argue. I can't really defend the dialogue and, and the performances too much. But you're here for some good car usage. <laughs> That's how it's said. Good car usage. Good use of car. Quote for the poster. <laughs> Good use of cars. But no, I mean, the selling point should be the cars and, and the sort of roller coaster thrill ride of driving. I was trying to make it sound less generic, but I didn't really achieve that. But this is a long movie. That is true. So we, I think the third, the first act is pretty much... 45 minutes half an hour yeah 
because um, what happens is they um, manage to impress Imogen Poots's buyer enough to sell this car. So Dino gets what he wants and basically lays down a deal because oh. uh, Toby is giving him an attitude and Dino. Yes. I like there's this shot where it's them on the racetrack and you can see Dino's wearing very big heels. <laughs> He's got like really large Cuban heels. And I, what you were saying about everyone being quite small so they can fit in the vehicles, but I liked the heels because he was compensating. I, I'm not 100% sure on Dominic Cooper, the actor. No. I, I think... feel like he fits this part to a degree because he's playing a bit of a well a total dick bag mm. i mean the actions that he does he does he kind of throws marshall motors a lifeline with this deal mm. but then he just say to suit himself though. yeah and he wouldn't let it lie no i mean again it it's all this dick measuring all this posing like lads just calm down yeah and just definitely bad blood between them it was around about this point when I was looking at Aaron Paul's vaguely generic and puffy face, that I realised that um, he is the closest thing to a silent video game protagonist we've had in games and films so far. He he looks like the sort of starting... When, you, when you're creating a character in a video game, he's what you start with, basically. They do a street race because basically Dino says, look... I can go I, faster than you. Yeah, and it's like oh. 2.7 million is what they paid for the Mustang, and mm. it's like the original deal was like Dino says I'll give you my 75% and if you lose mm. you give me your 25% so no. basically they're playing for keeps yeah and it's kind of so we go to Dino's place and it's around about the point where where PT is like oh can I come with in, come with you in the third car can I come with you that was the time I suddenly remembered Aaron Paul's meme face <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it looks staring into the flames it's like this oh, is going to well, go well I've, I've not seen this bit yet I wonder what oh I think I know what's gonna happen <laughs> So basically, he opens up his garage and he's like, "Select your vehicle." Just like a video game, listeners, and three identical cars because that's you don't. If you're a millionaire, you don't three identical cars for some well, reason. Well, they they Euro spec cars, illegal in the US. Oh. Top speed two seventy miles per hour is what he says. Mm. They're Koenig, Koenigsegg Agueras, I think. Yeah, that's exactly how it's pronounced. Yeah. Koenigsegg Fast cars. <laughs> Go fast cars. Yeah, there's a red one, a blue one, and a blue. let's say a green one. <laughs> one, or a white one. Koenigsegg R, top speed 270 miles an hour. But Dino, I thought you didn't go faster than 180. So where where do they have they have to get to the other end of a bridge in this race? Yep. There, it's looking like um, Toby's going to get into the lead. They get to the bridge and. They're just about to go over the bridge when Dom rams Dino. Dino rams. Dom is the main character Vin Diesel plays in Fast and Furious. I see. Okay. But Petey buys the farm. Uh, Dino rams Petey's vehicle and it goes spinning, spinning, spinning into the drink, really, into the off the side of the bridge. And Rory, if you're in Toby's position, would you go back and scream at my smoky ruin? Or would you keep going? No. 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 I want to... No, I think... I want to put this on record. If you are ever in an illegal street race against Dominic Cooper, if I crash, but there's millions of dollars at stake, I want you to keep going. Because you ain't going to rescue me. <laughs> just just putting it out there, just so you know. 
ditto. Okay. But, but I, surely at that point, the race is like null and void. Mm. If he carried on, would Dino be like, well, your friend's dead, but... I'm a man of my word. I'm a man, a man of my word. Well, he basically, Toby, threw that option out of the window when he stopped. Dino's, While, yeah. Dino goes off, he runs the race. Bizarrely, the police, b- b- they buy his word that there are only two cars in this race, despite the fact they must have clearly gone through hundreds of CCTV cameras and things. Yeah. Dino has an alibi, mm. and it's, like, relatives of his, and there were no witnesses to place him at the scene. But, like, clearly they drove past lots of cars, and someone mm. would have said there were three super-fast cars yeah. which drove past. Now, there, must have been, there must have been another car doing another race somewhere else. But for all its memeiness mm. and stuff, I found that it's very effective, actually, personally, what I um, thought. When there's the shot of PT just, like, realising, oh, shit, I'm mm. going to die now mm. in so the car Pool, then. in slow motion, <laughs> I, I sort of thought, oh, this is pretty uh, effective. I'm sort of with you. My view of the scene has been affected by the meme, so... You can't say that he's not giving it his all. And this is his one chance to sell it. And I feel like it kind of does. Because I'm sure on set or location, (laughs) they would have said this bit is important because the rest of the film is predicated on everything you do next is, is because of this moment. So you really need to believe he's totally fucked by it. But I think it does cross the line slightly into silliness. So though I believe the passion, it's kind of it's kind of silly. We cut to two years later. <laughs> Toby is leaving prison, having done his time. I like him a bit more when he's an ex-con. He seems to have chilled out a bit, being in the clink. First thing he does when he gets out of prison is basically, I need to call Ingram, who I sold the Ford Mustang to, mm-hmm. and I want to use his car to race the daily own and if i win i'll give him half of the half of the cars mm. um not down the middle as in half a car each <laughs> yeah what am like, i supposed to do with you this? get the front and i get the back <laughs> of like four really expensive sports cars <laughs> that's kind of my logic was like well i've got the front of a lamborghini and the back of a porsche i call it the porsche guinea it's it's a squillion pounds <laughs> this is why you're not a car dealer that's why you're yeah, not a car dealer but uh in order to do that obviously he needs to hook back up with julia who informs him that the race the location isn't known until mm. just beforehand Mm. But it's uh, her little birds. <laughs> her little birds, my spiders. My sparrows. Um, <laughs> tell me that uh, it's going to take place in California and they're obviously in New York. So they need to get cross country, mm. breaking parole by crossing state mm. lines in the process. I don't think prisons reformed him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, now you're not going to do any illegal street racing when you get out. And he's like... No, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> vroom, vroom. That's my ride. <laughs> and the next hour of the movie is him just like driving very carefully. <laughs> mm. Reminds me when I first played my first ever uh, Grand Theft Auto game, I stopped at every red light <laughs> because I didn't realise I wouldn't get in trouble with the police if I drew through it. It's only when you like run over someone that you start to get in trouble. 
Um, <laughs> Starts to get started. <laughs> Things went from bad to worse. She says that they've got uh, 48 hours to get to this race. And again, according to the trivia, it will take 45 hours if you just drove at the correct speed limit up the motorway. But they need to make a diversion. They need to pick up Mr. Robot, who's working in an office building in like a, a job, uh, like a, a horrible soul destroying job that, you know, a lot of our listeners must work at. <laughs> but I think he is, his arm is twisted into um, helping Toby Toby's uh, crusade against Dino because the car is not quite... Um, driving right, so it's probably he's not into his technology. He's just he needs some he needs some tuning, some TLC. And this is the first bit where we get the the cop car element of Needs for Speed games because he decided to, to demonstrate to both demonstrate how much he needs Mister Robot and also to get his uh, get his place in the Daily De- Own. He leads the cops on a merry chase around. The city of uh, Detroit, Metropo- Metropoville, I was going to say, just generic American background city. Um, there What's is the place in Powerpuff Girls called? Townsville. Townsville. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? So again, a, a sequence very much of the video games. Again, it's got the same sort of cop thrills. Again, cops' lives are completely worthless. In well, I liked how the it seemed there's a few run-ins with cops and. I liked the performances from the cops in the movie. They, mm. they all seemed like, I don't think it's the case, but they all seemed like the kind of roles which would be played by character actors slash maybe director cameos. Mm. They had these kind of weird things where they were, usually it would be like generic cop, but they all had like a history you know, to them. They all had like crags in their face. And they seem like they had a real story behind them. And, and particularly there's the cop when they had the run-in at the gas station. Speaking of cameos and cops, mm-hmm. one game and TV show we quite enjoyed was World Scariest Police Yes, World Scariest Police Videos. With Sheriff John Burnell. Yeah. And he makes a cameo at the end of Bad Santa. Yep. But um, the the race does the trick. Uh, Monarch, watching from his cloud, his lighthouse on the, his lighthouse on the clouds, um, he sees video footage of the chase, and which gives him an automatic um, place in the De Leon. And also uh, Mr. Robot, he... Uh, decides to leave the office building while stripping down at the same time, which is not in the least bit creepy and weird. Yeah, he, he sort of... He kisses just, a lady and says, I've always wanted to... Do that. Yeah, sexually harass that, I suppose. So, um, very... Again, don't know where my loyalties quite lie with these illegal ruffian people. Shortly afterwards, Benny slash Maverick is piloting a press helicopter and he mm-hmm. zooms in on some jogging lady's oh, um, rear ends yep. and goes bum bum bum. I see, yeah. So that's where we are. Yeah, so it gets the attention of, of Monarch, but it also gets the attention of the police. Mm. And so there is this... They've now got cops definitely on their tail. Mm. So they leave the city and then there's like a sequence where they have to fuel up the car while driving. And I was just thinking, it takes about... A minute to fuel a car up? Do they? And later on in the film, they do, as I mentioned, mm. stop at a petrol station. Yeah. So they can do it then. They're just, just an extra little bit of drama, I suppose. But, you know, they needed to make that two-hour um, running time, apparently. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but it's also, yeah, Monarch is doing his live stream radio mm. show or whatever the hell he's doing, and Dino calls in 
and basically says, um, puts a bounty on Toby's head mm. and says, anyone who stops Toby Marshall will get my Elemento uh, mm. car. But then uh, Julia calls in. And, and explains his motivation. Explains his motivation. But it does have Michael Keaton doing his British accents going, oh. having a spot of tea, are you, Dove? My f- literal favourite thing. I love it when Americans do shitty British accents <laughs> intentionally. I, if I, uh, if there are any Americans out there who want to send us audio recordings of their British accents, please do. I'd, like, I'd just put it onto my MP3 player and I'll listen to it all day. When, yeah, because Julia explaining that later on, uh, speaking of accents as well, she, uh, in front of a cop, does her own mm. accent work. So it's Americans doing Brit and it's Brits doing American mm. as well. So yeah. I literally asked the question earlier, can she do an American accent? And she yep. demonstrates it in does. the very film. This is getting good. I believe you, you crazy little tart. Toby Marshall versus Dino Brewster. That's a deep rivalry right there. Yeah. I hear you, honey. I hear you. Two of you out there dying across the country at killer speeds to prove something while you're tearing up the American asphalt. Born to run, baby. Born to run. Toby Marshall. Welcome to the Daily Home. Good greetings. Dillion's fool. But if you want Dino Brewster's Lamborghini, you're gonna have to chase down that Mustang to get it. Wow. The race before the race. I love it. <laughs> it's also at this point that Anita Dino's um I guess now wife, because there's a ring oh, later. Yeah. Or oh, at least engaged. Fiance. Fiance. Yeah, she discovers her jerk of her fiancé might be a jerk. Yeah, for real. A reals. murderizing jerk. Because she discovers that he still possesses the missing mm. car, the red Agera, mm. um, which was the car that killed her brother. <laughs> for some reason. It reminds me of the, the of the infamous glove on the O.J. Simpson trial, but like we have to see if Dominic Cooper can fit inside his car. <laughs> it's I not exactly conclusive evidence. I thought you were going to say when I said because it's like a red car that killed Petey, it's not Christine. Mm, no, um, but it's got it's got the scuffs and it's hidden because it's obviously evidence. You can't get rid of it. It's quite a hard car to get rid of. Yeah, but uh, we cut to a little bit of um, of softening between. Uh, Aaron Paul and Imogen Poots, their characters, and he, she gets to drive his Mustang for a little bit, and, and her face when driving it would be my face when driving <laughs> it. She's like, oh, cool, blimey. And then suddenly they get rammed from behind by, I guess, contract Well, they're just car killers. Well, they're people that heard Dino's mm. bounty, Yes, I guess. Mm, and I think, I think it's... The thing is with this film, it's a lot. It's a long movie, and it it definitely feels like three or four plots. <laughs> we could say three or four hours. <laughs> well, not that much. But did you watch it, it all in one go? No. Okay, I had to break too. Because it could be oh, a legal street race movie, or it could be cross country road race, or mm. it could be frame for a crime I didn't commit, or it could be there's cops on our tail, or it could be there's mm. a bounty on my head. And it just has everything. Mm. 
henchmen. Maybe too much. <laughs> Maybe too much. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think we needed this sequence. For instance, well, you would have missed the. T- you would have missed this bit then, where one of the henchmen goes blast those buggers as they di- <laughs> as um, they disappear off the road. So I, I did enjoy that. Although the sequence does culminate with them uh, driving off the cliff. Uh, anyway, I didn't expect this to turn to Wacky Races, really, but I was getting Wacky Races vibe. Uh, they drive off the cliff to be picked up by a helicopter, and um, yeah, far from tearing the roof off the car, um, they get gently lifted to some salt flats. The, the helicopter that Maverick is now um, flying is a military one? and a, does, Is he a military man? I think but they keep on calling him Liar One, and I think they mm. sort of just don't think that he can pilot a military helicopter. Toby and Julia finally make it to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. San Fran. <laughs> um, they are 23 minutes late. Oh, dear. But he gets to the hotel and... Even going by helicopter, they're 23 minutes late. Yeah. Rubbish. He well, finds... they, they only went by helicopter for about five minutes. Yeah, for 23 minutes, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where they have the aforementioned uh, encounter with mm. Dino... Uh, our main character Toby, he goes, he goes into the car, and Julie's like, "Oh, you saw him, didn't you? That was him." And um, he's doing a curious sort of mouth breathing type thing. I think whenever he's like really angry, he goes like, <sighs> and he, he did that in the ten minutes of Breaking Bad I saw as well. So that's that's his little acting trick okay. to to seem really uh, not all together with it at the moment. Um, but they're driving <laughs> to this hotel um, when a truck crashes into them using pretty much the the aforementioned Jason Bourne effect of a camera being in there and all things going crazy. There's the moment where Julia, who's trapped inside the crushed car, is imploring Toby to scarper, and then we hear him run off. We hear him go... And then suddenly he's by the side of the door and he gets her out. So um, it's not entirely keeping in character because you've already established he's a chap who will go back for people, even if it's not in his best interest. But that was like a nice bit of heroism. And um, I did start to soften towards towards Toby at this point. Well, they get in touch with the beast. Who's the beast again? The the support oh, vehicle. Oh, the support vehicle. taking. Yeah. And they uh, get her to a hospital and he leaves and uh, decides to call Anita. Mm. And the pic that he has of Anita on his mobile phone is a picture of her from the drive-in when they first meet really? in the movie. Yeah, it's <laughs> That's just, creepy. She's wearing the... Well, I don't think... It, I don't think it's a photo he took at the time. I think it's... From his top pocket. He's I recording think the whole conversation. I, but no, because it's not even... It's her facing away from the camera. Oh. So it is literally just a still taken from the camera footage oh, from right. the movie of her like looking at... Like that bit in House of the Dead, which we talked about, where there's a photo which is actually just a screen capture from the yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. So wow. it's just that. But that's the... If you look closely... The magic that's... of the movies! <laughs> if you look closely, that's just the, the pitch they've used for Anita because they clearly didn't mm. have a still from another... <laughs> part of the movie and didn't get a photo elsewhere but yes it's it's clear she explains that she is now left well, i think she now she knows we, we're led to assume that she knows dino ordered the truck hit as well she's left dino she mm. knows dino was responsible for Petey's death mm. she 
is nursing the black eye as well. I oh, think. I didn't see that. I think it's clear that I think hmm. that Dino has roughed her up. Oh, I, I've totally missed that. I must say. She lets Toby know that Dino's history special red car is in oh. storage, <laughs> and gives him the keys. Can you imagine if she just called it his special red car? That would really annoy the character of Dino. She says, I've got the uh, GTFR Ferrari Bloody Blue. And she goes, you mean your special red car? There's a no. Lot of, but there's a lot of scenes where people talk against what Dino is saying in front of other oh, people. No, so Anita true. does that earlier. So it's like, but I thought, da 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 da. And yeah. then Petey does it earlier saying, but I thought you only drive up to 180 miles an hour or something. No, but I did notice Imogen Poot did it to um, t- to Toby. So it was actually a through line of um, the women undercutting the men, which I quite enjoyed, actually, because these are, again, kind of do bros who think they're king shit. I liked the poetic nature. It was quite poetic that he is driving the car that killed Petey. Yeah, when so he shows up to the Daily Own... The with, next day. With narration from God. Yeah. Um, establishing the the race parameters and mm. the rest of the... All, it, all the fighters. Here's a screen of the... Um, what was it? There's one with a British guy in it called... British Paul. Is British it? Paul. English or Paul. Yeah. And um, they've the all gooch. got... The gooch. They've all got um, their faces and their cars just like a character select screen. I like that a lot. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the symbolism of him showing up, I like... I. This is a good bit of Dominic mm. Cooper's performance when, like, he sees that car. Mm, he's got nothing to lose now. Yeah, and it's just, like, ghost from the past. Mm. It's come back to haunt him. Mm. Uh, it's hubris. It's the last thing he wanted to see <laughs> is Toby driving the car that shouldn't exist. That killed Petey. Yeah, and um, we actually in one we watched a little bit of this... Um, of the start of this race again, just before recording the podcast, because there is like a bit in the trailer with narration that I was convinced was in this film, but it's absolutely not. So we're watching this scene again, and I was just getting pumped. You know, the Toby comes up to Dino sitting in his car, looking even smaller than he usually does, um, because you can't wear heels on your ass. <laughs> you can kind of you can have a booster you seat. You could have had a booster seat. <laughs> It's when you when you get a, it's a V8 booster. When you are at a restaurant with a small child mm. and you don't say you don't say can I get heels for my baby's ass? <laughs> you say can I have a booster seat oh, or great. a cushion? Oh, I'd have been golden if like Dominic gets out of the car at the end and he's got like, little heels. Always, <laughs> always just got a booster seat and <laughs> Toby has to retrieve that first. But um, yeah, but that's nice nice bit of pressure building. Yeah, that's the drama. That's what Monarch is really getting jazzed about. He's like, oh, this is going to be the race of all races mm. because it's all about the. That's why he wants Toby in the Daily Own, which is not mm. because he's got the fanciest car or because you know he's mm. he's in it for the uh, for the drama. Stor- yeah, and uh, he's watching the this, how many people are on his site at the moment, and there's like six. He's <laughs> <laughs> like six, seven. Oh, that's the most viewers ever. Yeah, um, shout out to my uh, yeah to my peeps to my peeps, and um, everything goes quiet. The drivers are peering over their wheels and. Go, go, go. Fireworks happen and they start driving. And then we get into another fantastic driving sequence. I feel like 
I will watch this film again a few times and I think the the acting bits in between the film are maybe not the best but they pass along well enough and um, my mind turns to a film which is out in the cinemas as we record this podcast, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, which is praised for its practical sequences. But there's, there's sequences on the motorcycle where Tom Cruise is clearly cycling in between CGI cars. And it feels just a little... it ruins it slightly. So, I mean, again, I'm not going to drive around... A city on a motorcycle without a helmet but um i just it was so refreshing to see really amazing expensive looking cars slipping through the wind slipping through the air and and just just film so beautifully and um i mean you've said in tron you got a bit bored at the computery sequences and in other films you seem to get bored during the selling points <laughs> like in wing commander so what what how do you feel about these cars um the driving sequences are pretty good. They're fairly well shot. You can understand what's going on, the geography of the scene, the characters, what they're doing. You get the feeling that the actors are actually in the cars doing mm. the driving. It's not all just stunts or CG or special effects. I But because they are trying to be more grounded... There's no one stunt where I was like, wow. I mm. think PT's crash, mm. that's quite impressive. Um, there is like a jump, a grasshopper jump that they do earlier oh, yeah. on. But I think because it is trying to be more realistic, there's just not huge amounts for it to go. And it just has to sort mm. of look stylish. And I think the POV stuff is what really sells it. But so, yeah, I thought they were fine. But I think there was maybe just too much of it. I think if the film was shorter... It could have lost a couple of those sequences and not mm. been any lesser for it. And I think I did like some of the dialogue stuff. I liked Imogen Poots in this film. I thought she brought like a lot of a different kind of energy than I was expecting for this mm. sort of movie. Yeah, I myself, I obviously did very much enjoy the driving stuff. And the cops make a reappearance that we mentioned earlier. They are doing their level best to do blockades and throw helicopters in the way. Yeah, but they're basically doing it to the extent that they want to actually kill these people. Mm. Like, they... Well, that's America, man. Yeah, but it's it's like... Yeah, they're trying to stop it, but it seems they're doing some very reckless, dangerous stuff, particularly when there's, like, a school bus of kids in the area mm. and things, you know. The actions of the police could very easily have got one of these speeding cars to sort of crash into a school bus or well yeah they at least hit a deer i mean they're <laughs> driving through all this woodland i was expecting like a, a deer or a hedgehog or something to like walk out deer into the or road. hedgehog <laughs> yes um these guys just don't care they're just gonna go fast and fast and fast and well dino he does his trademark flip he rams into another car and, mm. and sends that flying pt style he doesn't care anymore no. Because everyone knows he's he's a he's he would have done it. Yeah, he's just he just wants to win now. He's just got a red in his eyes. Like I said, this this whole race is based upon if you win, you get all the vehicles. But there seems to be everyone seems to know that you will get arrested at the end of this race, and half the cars, all the, all but one of the cars, will be destroyed. Toby's deal was, I'll give you Ingram half the cars if you let me drive your Mustang. The Mustang is. 
now totaled. Mm. So Ingram's not getting that Mustang badge. But he's basically getting very expensive scrap metal at the end of it, because mm. pretty much every car gets obliterated in the race. But this is all about honour, and it's down to the final two races, would you know it, Dino and Toby. Um, this bit of a cat and mouse uh, race, which again I found very thrilling. Everyone's on the edge of their seats, and then Dino decides to take a swing for um, Toby, but he is hoisted by his own petard, and he misses and tumbles and crashes. Toby breaks just before. Toby breaks, yeah. And um, Toby's faced with a similar dilemma. Does he stop and try and save PT slash um, Dino in this instance, or does he head to the finish line? Um, he chooses the um, the former because he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, he's deep down. Um, so even as the police sirens are blaring, he goes and he rescues you, rescues Dino, which is. Precisely what he told Dino he wouldn't do. But he does punch Dino in the face and then jumps into his car and wins and gets to the lighthouse, which may or may not have God inside. And then he gets arrested. And how much time does he do? 178 days. For... That seems bonkers to me. Hundred Less than a year. It depends what charges they're bringing him up on. Is it skipping parole... Is it crossing state lines or is it copious amounts of near, damage? Near cop murder. Yeah. I mean, yes, lots of policemen were very nearly killed in the film, which is kind of frowned upon by the police. Yeah, because it has this, you know, the message saying this is illegal street racing, do not try this at home. But it, it, it says it more out of, oh, because it might be dangerous for you, not because mm. it's against the law and yeah. maybe... It doesn't s- suggest... Sounds like a challenge. If um, yeah. if uh, Toby was watching this film, he'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> because actually, again, much like before, the film ends with him getting out of jail and immediately jumping into a muscle car and speeding off into the sunset. And, with Julia. Yeah. I mean, I remember the, the classic 90s movie Hacker, Hackers, where Johnny Lee Miller, as a kid, does computer hacking and he's not allowed near a computer for many, many years. So it seems a bit bizarre how he's immediately allowed into a very expensive car after doing this naughty thing. I would very much like to see a sequel where he's, um, I don't know, does bumper cars or something at a fairground. <laughs> Need for speed dodgems. Need for speed dodgems. So, Rory, what is your, what's your final takeaway from Need for Speed? As established, having not really played the games, I don't know how great this is a movie for fans of the games, whether they get some of the shared thrills from it. It's not like you have to worry about, oh, they're not depicting this character correctly. They're not, they've messed up the plot from my favourite instalment in the franchise. So whether you've played the games or not, you'll probably get as much out of it as you would either way. And what you get out of it is fine. <laughs> I think it could uh, stand to lose about 40 minutes. Mm, that I much? Think there's, yeah, I think there's a bit too much... Too much cars? Is that what you're going to say? Too much cars. No, 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 no. <sighs> Rory. I was saying there's too much going on story-wise. Mm. Not that there's a huge amount of story, but it's just all these threads... All kind of half 
they, they chew their food a lot is kind of the expression that's coming to mind they every interaction is given a lot of drama a lot of weight but it just takes such a long time for pt to die <laughs> <laughs> well yes again it's sort of it is the inciting incident really but yeah it takes but you ha- forever to get there you have a lot to it the thing is it spends a lot of time establishing these characters and their relationships but the characters don't have a lot to them no. but yet it's it spins its wheels. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to think how we can get to how we could kill Peter off more quickly. They don't have to do this Ford Mustang selling mm. a car, no. making a deal. It's just Dino is the rival back in town and he's become this dealership, whatever, pro sports mm. thing. And maybe there's like some bad blood between Anita and whatever. And maybe there's like a previous deal that they had or something. Or I get the garage or something. Mm. Or I get this car, your your dad's prized car or mm. something, which you're keeping in storage. Some yeah. other kind of state. I, I think there probably is a way to streamline it. You are right. Um, and then lose the bounty hunter thing. I know it's like there's already a reason for Toby to be mad at Dino. Mm. It's like, and you put a hit on me? <laughs> it's like, do we, do we need that added incentive for him to like not like it? It's just an excuse for an extra... Yeah. You know, action sequence. That's probably the thing. I bet, like, um, he probably, t- if he, Toby, forgot all about the hit on him when he was, like, saying all the crimes that uh, uh, Dominic Cooper had done. <laughs> the crimes of Dominic Cooper. <laughs> um, and then, like, he probably, the police were like, are you sure that's everything? And he goes, yes. And then later he's like, oh, fuck, I forgot about the, forgot yeah. about the hit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't find the, the drama... In between the driver's scenes is that compelling. But I feel like I will return to the car chases a few times. I mean, um, I, just, I just do like a cop car chase, I suppose. Has it given you incentive to play any of the Need for Speed games? You know what? I think it might have done. Because, like I said, I didn't... Uh, I had to watch YouTube videos. And the only other game of the equivalent I can think of is Grand Theft Auto. When you've got a, like a five-star rating and all the police are after you. And you can hear the sirens and all that stuff. So I, I might pick up a future Need for Speed game. Well, there's plenty of old ones to go back to. <laughs> yeah, too. it's true. Well, I think I would recommend Need for Speed then, but I would say, yeah, don't, don't feel the need to watch it all. <laughs> I mean, if you feel the need to speed through the film, then uh, yeah, um, absolutely. Need for Speed, fast forward. <laughs> fast forward would be a good... Yeah, for the director DVD uh, sequel, perhaps. So that uh, closes the door on the need for speed. Uh, But for our next uh, film we're going to do, it's still quite hot and sunny around here. Uh, Rory and I are in our bikinis. So we uh, thought, let's go to that famously bikini-led fighting franchise, Dead or Alive. Um, How can people find us, Rory? Well, we're... uh... On SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash gamesonfilmpod. That's where you can find all our episodes. But chances are you can probably find Games on Film wherever you listen to podcasts, be it iTunes, Acast, Player FM, whatever your app of choice may be. You can email us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. You can find more information and various memes and silly nonsense on twitter.com slash games on film pod facebook.com slash games on film pod we're also individually on twitter i'm at rory Steele. i'm at only man who can 
and the theme music for the show was composed by David Lightfoot. Just a little plug section mm. in terms of our other activities. Uh, I also help run Gamer Disco Club Nights. You can find information about Gamer Disco on Facebook and Twitter for all our future events. And what about you, Harry? Um, I do a bit of stand-up comedy, so if you want to see me, just find my website. Just type in Harry Steele Comedy and you'll find me, I suppose. Okay. Well. Have you satisfied your need? My need for podcasts? <laughs> yes, your need for podcasts. So I've been Rory. And I've been Harry. And the only thing left to say for Need for Speed is... The motor vehicle action sequences depicted in this film are dangerous. All stunts were performed in controlled environments for professionally trained stunt crews on closed roads. Do not attempt to duplicate the action portrayed in this film. Bye! Bye.